1: from KQED.
3: I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to the Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. (laughs) Students of color at West County High School in Sonoma County have been dealing with racist bullying for years. In 2016, the feds even investigated the district and found civil rights violations at the school. Today, students say this harassment hasn't stopped and that very little has changed.
2: I think they want to be portrayed as a good school rather than a school fighting racism, honestly.
3: Today, what students of color in Sonoma County are up against and what they want to change.
1: West County High School is in this town called Sebastopol. If you haven't been there, it's about an hour or so north of San Francisco. Julia McAvoy is senior editor at KQED, who covers education. It's known for you know, being part of the wine industry. They grow a lot of grapes. They used to grow a lot of apples, Gravenstein apples. It's pretty small. It's about 7,500 people. And it's, it's predominantly white um, in this part of Sonoma County. It's about 80 percent Uh, white in this area. And the school pretty much reflects that. It is uh, also predominantly white. It's 67 percent white students. Just 7 percent are mixed race and just 1.7 percent identify as black or African-Americans. Asians make up 3.8 percent. So you get the picture. And
3: so this story is about students experiencing racist harassment at their school. But I know this, this story sort of really blew up recently because of a really egregious example of this racist harassment.
1: Tell me what happened there. The whole thing really blew up when this racist promposal hit Instagram in early April. Jerry Loya, he's a he's a junior there, and um, he, like a lot of the students and those in the larger community, saw this photo on Instagram.
2: And I saw it, and I was, and, I, and for a second, it took me a second, honestly, to process it.
1: What he saw was a photograph of a white student holding a cardboard sign.
2: When it said, it said, um, I'm not black, but if, if I were black, I'd be picking cotton, but I'm not, so I'm picking you.
1: If I were black, I'd be picking cotton, but I'm white, so I'm picking you prom question mark.
2: It's literally just a, a, one a racial stereotype to black people and African Americans, and two, it's it's just it's just blatant racism. That she wasn't even trying to hide it, and she also had two or three other friends post it too.
1: And that uh, photograph was done by one student. Her friend uh, took a photograph of that to post it on Snapchat, and a third friend grabbed that screenshot, and then posted it on Instagram.
2: You know, they thought it was so funny, like, to post it. Like, it wasn't even in person when they said it, you know? They they had to think a couple times before posting it. One, they had to think once when they were writing it. They had to think two when they were setting it up for the picture. And they had to think three times when they were posting it on social media.
1: I think students just were like, wow, this is... (laughs) this is over the top, right? We've been dealing with all of this for quite some time, but now it is just really out there. And I think in a weird way, they were almost relieved. Like, we've been dealing with this sort of under the cover for a while here, trying to get attention brought to it. And now all of a sudden, everybody can see exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, the principal said that all the office phones were ringing off the wall, not just with students, but with folks from the larger community who were really upset about this.
3: So there was this huge response. The office phones were ringing off the hook. Obviously, administration had to answer to this somehow. And
1: I know that the superintendent did. Can you tell me what happened with that? The interim superintendent was a man named Eric Hoppus, and Hoppus issues a letter of apology to, you know, everyone in the district, uh, families and students see this. But the students on this newly formed anti-racist student committee were really unhappy with it because at the end he, of this letter, he said, quote, we all make mistakes, unquote, and he hopes that, quote, we can all keep forgiveness in our hearts, unquote. And he asked parents to talk to their children about this incident um, at home. Students felt he wasn't outraged enough. He didn't um, lay out consequences that made them feel like it had been dealt with. And so to them, this is like the heart of the problem, that the school and the district themselves are just not doing enough to stop this kind of behavior.
0: It does feel overwhelming at times, but I feel like if we don't say anything, if I don't say anything, then there's no one who's going to say anything.
1: Dylan Peña-Perez is a senior, and he's also the student representative on the school board, and he's the co-president of the Anti-Racist Student Committee. He and the other co-president get asked by uh, Interim Superintendent Eric Hoppus to come in and, and meet with him. And so they both go in to meet with him and they sit down.
0: But when we got to the meeting, we, he just started asking really personal questions.
1: And both students say that Hoppe starts asking them about their ethnic backgrounds.
0: Then I shared that I was born in Mexico City. And he then asked me if my parents were citizens of the United States, if I was a citizen.
1: So both of these students get really uncomfortable in this situation. And they said later that they felt, you know, intimidated.
0: I I was shocked, definitely, because I had never had, you know, a person in power ask me a question like that.
1: And so then comes the next board meeting, and Hoppus gets called out by another student about this at the board meeting. And two days later, he abruptly resigns. After the superintendent, interim superintendent resigned, the students held a sit-in. They made t-shirts with uh, anti-racist slogans in red, and they walked out of school. Um, there are about 1,100 students on campus, and about 300 walked out and did this, so it gives you sort of a sense of how many folks are supporting this type of action. But they were really proud of what they did, and they were really excited that they're they're really stepping out. They're speaking up.
3: I know that there are many other examples of racism that students have
1: described to you. What other incidents have you heard about? Well, there are quite a few. I mean, really a lot. Um, I spoke with a black student who said a white student had called her the N-word in the hallway. That white student was initially given five days of suspension. That was reduced to two days after she wrote a letter of apology. Dylan Peña Perez spoke about you know racist slurs that he just overhears like daily in the, in the hallways and in the locker room.
0: Like the N-word, racial slurs against Mexicans, uh, Asian-Americans.
1: He says they're not directed at him. They're just like casual conversation between other students that, you know, he's subjected to listening to.
2: I am black, Mexican and Japanese. I've heard more kids at this school say the N-word than I do. You know, and and that's profound, honestly. That's like, that's crazy. Probably even more than my lifetime.
1: Jerry Loya, you know, he transferred as a freshman to this high school.
2: It was a little, you know, scary going into a new school and then um, hearing that it's mainly white kids, you know. So it was also nerve-wracking for me to be mixed, you know, and everything, minority and all that.
1: He said he was just looking to meet new people and some uh, a girl started to speak with him.
2: And she like started talking to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, my first friend, you know, maybe... Um, And then she started like asking questions about my ethnicity and I I was going to answer. But before I got to, she cut me off and she was like, oh, are you Indian? Because you look Indian. And then I told her what I was and she was like, oh, well, I'm going to just keep calling you my little Indian boy. Like that was okay, And she she did that for about a, a couple of months.
1: And he was afraid to say anything to tell her not to. And then I spoke with another student, you know, who's afraid to be identified, um, who said that, you know, and I heard this from other students as well. There was a girls varsity basketball game. And um, when black students from the opposing team and the one black student from county high school team took the floor, a white student and an Asian student, both boys, began making gorilla sounds from the stands when these black players took the court. And she said another student told them to stop. Um, she said she was actually too nervous to even tell them to stop, and she seemed ashamed that she didn't.
3: How has the administration at West County High School responded to the issue of racist bullying on campus?
1: Principal Shauna Ferdinandson spoke with me for about an hour. Um, she seemed really, really concerned about what's going on. She you know, feels that she's taking various actions to address it. And we've told everyone that we are dealing with this and that we're taking it very seriously. I think the problem uh, for a lot of students is that they feel like this is happening only because this promposal hit Instagram and that they had been trying to get her and others to pay attention prior to now, and it really wasn't happening you know, I think you have to say uh, that, you know, Principal Ferdinandson arrived at this school as an assistant principal in 2016. This is the year that the United States Department of Education Office of Civil Rights investigated the school over another claim of of racist bullying. They found it substantial and they provided remedies for the school to enact. Mm -hmm. And Ferdinandson was in charge with Uh, doing those remedies. And she said she did. And that was part of her role then. Working with OCR to build lessons and things about racism and empathy. And we did that. We implemented everything they asked for. She says she's meeting with students now. Um, She's taking it seriously. She met with the NAACP to get sort of training materials for how to get her teachers to step in and not, you know, just be bystanders if students are doing racist or offensive behavior or homophobic or sexist behavior is what she told me. With regard to the promposal students, those three, you know, she couldn't speak to exactly what happened to them because she said due to student privacy reasons. But just about everybody in the school said the same thing, which is that two of them got expelled and that the other one, I guess, is going to have some sort of suspension. Some people would prefer that we would just always have kind of a a formula, but every student is different. Every situation is different. And I think the most empathetic and compassionate way to work with discipline is to work with that individual student with their situation, taking into account the context and anything that has gone on prior to this.
3: What else did Principal Ferdinand do about the promposal incident, besides disciplining the students who were responsible?
1: After the promposal thing blew up, she pretty quickly decided she needed to do something. And what she felt was necessary was to call for like an emergency assembly. And she asked the students on the anti-racist student committee um, to please ask their peers of color, would they be willing to go up on stage in front of the school and speak about their experience of what it's like to be a person of color attending school on campus? And so um, the students said, "Okay," And they went and they asked their peers. And it turns out that nine students were brave enough to say they were willing to do this. Jerry Loya did this, uh, others. And they were basically said, like, it was nerve wracking But it was really important to do, and they said they thought it was worth it.
2: So I do think that it was a good thing, you know, and I'm so happy that people of color got to speak out about their stories.
1: They said that they felt like people were listening. Um, The principal said that you could hear a pin drop in the auditorium. However, so the students were, were doing this, and yet at the same time, they recognized that no professional moderator was being brought in here. No one met with them ahead of time on how this was going to happen, who was going to be in charge of it, You know, how would they be protected, should they be worried about anything in terms of backlash? None of that took place.
0: The principal expected us to find all the speakers. It wasn't a place for us to 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 you know to, to take leadership on. I feel like that's kind of like an adult thing. And I feel like that's their job. That's why they're doing what they're doing. And at times it feels, it feels as though they, they're dependent. On, on students to make change.
1: And I think they're, they still are astounded to this day that they did not have more support from the administration ahead of that emergency assembly, so to speak, or that hastily called assembly.
3: Are, are there any specific actions that they want the school to take, things that aren't maybe happening yet?
1: Yes, absolutely. They are asking Principal Ferdinandson for ethnic studies to be implemented immediately. Um, We know that the state has asked for this to happen as a graduation requirement, but it doesn't really take effect until you graduate in 2029. Classes could start in 2025, but you don't have to have it as a requirement until the graduating class of 2029. Um, So they would like that to happen, like, tomorrow. And there are districts in the Bay Area that have done this ahead of time, so it can be done. They would like that to happen. They want to see more teacher training so teachers don't become bystanders. They want some more severe consequences for the students who do stuff like this and not just a slap on the hand, but something that really makes them afraid to do it in the future. And they have been asking, you know, so you can have all this punitive stuff, right? But is there going to be any healing from that? Um, and so they, they're saying, look, what about restorative justice? What about healing circles? And Principal Ferdinandson has says, oh, yes, you know, we know about that. Um, there's a lot of material on that. We're looking at that. But she said, you know, I want to create some some peer-led groups with adults there as well, asking open-ended questions of students who commit these types of offenses That really hasn't landed too well with um, the co-presidents of the anti-racism student committee. Because it's like they feel that the burden of fixing everything is sort of landing on them. Yes. And I also think there's just this interesting dynamic of it's like, They feel like the white administrators are kind of falling over themselves to talk about forgiveness and apologies and with the white students who are doing this stuff. And they feel like the white students are just kind of laughing, laughing at all of this. They're getting away Mm -hmm. with it. They continue to do it. They feel like the white administrators are not on their side. I just don't think they feel fully that they have those folks in their corner. I get the impression, and I could be wrong, that Ferdinandson and and the other uh, administrators in this school are a little bit caught, right, in between their desire and need to defend a safe environment for minority kids of color, students of color in the building, and sort of the the larger community, which includes, Mm. you know, a a group of students who everyone says are connected with the agricultural program, whose parents might be more conservative and who might, you know, be upset if if their students who are doing these things get harshly disciplined. I just think it's a it's a she's in a position where she needs to make a decision about really defending these students or not
3: Julia, what do you think makes this story similar or even different from other ones that you've covered where Students are protesting. They're pushing adults to do more. They're advocating for themselves, um, which we've talked with you about a lot in, in other cities like Oakland and San Francisco. But what makes this story different?
1: It, the fear felt real to me. Um, these small group of students in this you know, larger, I mean, they just kept pointing it out over and over again. Um, there are not many of us. We don't feel supported or heard. There were, you know, three women students who spoke with me who were afraid to talk uh, or their parents wouldn't let them talk. They had parents who were immigrants and they were fearful that their daughter might be hurt. I mean, Dylan spoke about feeling like I don't really feel like the school is a safe environment.
0: I don't really feel like really comfortable speaking out. I feel like I have to speak out, but at times it feels as though I'm putting... A target on myself. It feels like I'm asking for people to target me in a way.
1: Jerry Loya, you know, he said I'm really lovable. People like me. I can use humor to deflect this stuff, um, and I'm not afraid.
2: I'm sure I'm gay. You know, I do drag. After everything that's happened, it's good to be this way. And honestly, I don't care what anybody says because I just know I'm better than them, without a doubt. Whatever they can say, you know, they can try to put me down, but I, but I always know I'll be one step further.
1: You know, but he he, he talked about being outnumbered. You know, he talked about, I can count, you know, I can count the number of POC who attend school on this campus with me. It just felt like they were really swimming upstream and it was harder for them than for other students in the Bay Area to do this work. So every time student activists get going, by the time they get going, going, and people really have to pay attention to them, they start graduating. The student ability to pass off all this work, that's really important. And it's its hard to do and especially hard to think that way as a young person who's, you know, thinking about your own future and, oof, you're out of here. Thank goodness you survived four years, right? But it's the next group that's coming up behind them. A lot of these students say they're doing it for that group. And so how they're going to share that knowledge and pass that off so the struggle doesn't die, I think it's at a lot of different high schools. And I'd like to see how they manage to make that happen. Julia, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to talk about this story. On
3: Wednesday night, the West Sonoma County High School District Board of Trustees voted to remove plaques from two schools in the district, including West County High. These plaques had been donated by the Native Sons of the Golden West, a group that supported the incarceration of Japanese Americans, and once argued that California was only for white people. Students from West County High were at that meeting. One of them was Katie Ann Wynn, a senior and co-president of the Anti-Racist Student Committee. This campus
2: has already been hurt so much. These students have already suffered so much. We have already sacrificed so much. Tonight, I am not just asking you to remove the Native Sons of the Golden West plaques, but to also make a promise to our community, to your students here, that you'll do everything in your power to ensure the voices of the students are heard, that they are respected, and that most of all, they can find a place to call home here at West County High School.
3: Thanks to Julia McAvoy, Senior Editor at KQED, who covers education. This 30-minute conversation with Julia was cut and edited by Alan Montecilio. Producer Maria Eskinka scored this episode and added the tape. Our podcast senior leadership team includes Jessica Placek, our Senior Editor for Podcasts, Kiana Mogadam, our Senior Producer of Podcasts, and Jen Chien, Director of Podcasts. Gerald Furman is our podcast engagement intern. The Bay is a production of your local public media station, KQED. You can always catch us on Twitter at The Bay KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Peace out, y'all.